Hello, listener, and thank you for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lake State of Michigan. How you doing? My name's Robert Kerr here, hosting the program each week, as always. I might sound a little bit different this week, no longer or not under the stairs as per usual, not in my Harry Potter of podcasting studio. There's been a whole mess of construction work in my basement this week, so I'm relegated or upgraded, no matter which way you look at it, to the kitchen table this week. But it's been quite the week in Michigan soccer. Um, I suggest you guys check out the Michigan Soccer Central social media pages. A very comprehensive uh, coverage of the high school boys postseason high school soccer tournament. Uh, There's a list of all the district champions on there, as well as a a matchup uh, boards of all the regional semifinals. There's a whole bunch of dramatic games going on as I'm recording right now. So be sure to check in the at MI Soccer Central across social media i want to tip my hat to uh this week's team of the week the 08 orange thundercats who won the michigan state cup the girls won it in their very first time entering into the competition and they went undefeated winning last week at the legacy center at the state cup finals winning three nil and uh, definitely one of the most one-sided matches that I was able to commentate on throughout the weekend, and uh, uniquely had the shortest bench of any of the other teams. Every team seemed to have uh, six-plus substitutes on their bench and had subs coming in and out throughout most of the game, whereas the Thundercats only had one on the bench, and... uh, That seemed to serve them just fine as they were crowned State Cup champions and the We Are Soccer, Michigan Soccer Central Team of the Week this week. Uh, Speaking of recognition, also high school teams, be sure to send direct messages and pics of your seniors because once the uh, high school postseason concludes, the Michigan Soccer Central uh, handles will be uh, recognizing the class of 2023. So high school teams, be sure to DM your seniors picture and names. They'll get the shout outs. And each and every week, going back to team of the week, be sure to send a message of a team that has a fantastic week on or off the field. Send a message to either Michigan Soccer Central or We Are Soccer. And the two outlets we combine each and every week, we gather nominations and have a little debate about who we feel is going to be this team of the week. This week, it was the Thundercats. In this week's feature interview, though, we go to Saturday It was Detroit City FC's last game of their 2022 season. Their USL Championship inaugural season came to a close when they lost 3-1 
away in Memphis, Tennessee to Memphis 901. There was a lot of Michigan connections on the opponent's side, and uh, their side was able to end the season of LaRouge. So I've invited writer Sean Spence, the very dedicated writer of Words About Shapes Patreon. And we've invited him back on to the podcast. He was kind enough to spend some time earlier in the day and talk about some of his coverage, some of his high points, low points, and favorite or least favorite articles and pieces he's written and what is to come on Words About Shapes Patreon. So without further ado, here comes my segment with Sean Spence. Welcome back here on Michigan Soccer Central. One of the things we like to do here on the program is get all sorts of viewpoints of the game here in Michigan. Fans, players, coaches, and also those uh, putting pen to paper. And next up, we've got Sean Spence, who writes on his Patreon page, Words About Shapes, waxes lyrically about his beloved Detroit City (laughs) FC. And I'm glad to have him back on the show. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Sean Spence. The pleasure is mine. Um, Thank you. So uh, we, we've been talking off and on for about pr- pretty much through uh, this podcast existence, but uh, definitely got your takes when Detroit City FC uh, joined the USL Championship, and then uh, as you were doing your roster release series, and then I think we spoke um, around uh, some point during <laughs> the season. I think it was after the Columbus. Uh, and the Open Cup affair. Early, middle June, sometime in there. Yeah. And so now that the season has reached its conclusion following DCFC's 3-1 defeat at the hands of Memphis 901 in the USL Championship playoffs, I want to have right. you back on to kind of uh, talk about your view uh, and your piece on uh, Patreon, which I really enjoyed. Um so to speak, obviously it wasn't probably your favorite topic, but uh, I thought it was quite eloquent in how you kind of wrapped up the mood of, uh, you know, Nisa success for uh, quite some time. And then so to end the season on the down note was kind of uh, a bitter pill, but something that uh, shouldn't be too unexpected. Yeah, you know, I think that um, it's one of the things that we sort of miss Um when people that shift from team to team, depending on um, who's winning, um, they miss the sort of uh, all the kind of allegaic uh, emotions that are associated with, with sport. And, uh, you know, it's a big miss. Um, and, you know, city fans have kind of not felt those feelings for, you know, a couple of years now, uh, having just sort of stormed through every competition we'd been in um, for a good bit. Um, but this is how, this is how most everyone's season ends, right? You, um, you know, you, I mean, it was a tough loss. Um, I've, I've got a thing coming out tomorrow that's, you know, about, uh, the, the points in the match where it could have turned our way. Um, a couple of them, um, 34th minute had a really slick corner that a shot falls to Maxi and he, uh, it doesn't place it super well and it, it, it's blocked, you know, it just kind of plonks off a guy. Um, uh, then that shot from Connor Rutz, the back corner curler that 
somehow uh, Trey Muse read and got to, um, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of ruts shot kind of got that my eyebrows wiggling a little bit for a second. And it's like, oh, he caught it. Yeah, it really, you know, it's a shot that a lot of guys look for nowadays. Um, and Connor really, I mean, that was that was going to be top bins, you know, like upper 90. Um, and Muse just got there. Um, he, you know, I guess maybe he was a little more back post than than it looked like when when Connor shot it. Um, but his footwork was good and he got across and like, uh, wow, that was a great save. Um, you know, that's the thing that it, it's that game was a, was a lot of tough breaks. But I mean, you know, this league was a big jump up for Detroit City and you know, losing this match to, to Memphis, um, you know, they, that's a match they win seven out of 10 times. Um, it's not like we got robbed, you know, um, there were little glimmers of light for us, but we were definitely underdogs and that's been the case all season. Um, and the fact that we've been able to kind of punch up a little bit, um, I think shouldn't detract from the, you know, it's very easy, I think, to kind of assume that this is the new floor, right? That the very worst we're ever going to be is seventh in the Eastern Conference or, you know, right at the, just sneaking into the playoffs. That's the worst it's ever going to be. And, and you know, that's not how sports really is. Um, we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen in this offseason. We don't know whether, um, what kind of competition we're going to face for the players that are already on our roster. Um, that could be pretty withering, I think, because um, a lot of these guys took deals that I think will look cut rate um, as when it becomes twenty twenty three. So, do you mean you know, uh, the 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 existing players or the the new yeah, the incoming players, the ones that were new this year? I think the existing players are going to um, be able to. You know, I think there's teams around the league that are going to look at our film and go. Okay, Michael Bryant. Um, we want to. We want to take a run at him. Um, you know. Uh, you know. I mean, all, all of them. <laughs> um, all the ones that aren't already signed. And I'm going to say that I don't know the the contract status of that kind of stuff. I know that, like this last week, um, well, like after you lose, you have to kind of break camp, um, and it's a very kind of like overwhelming time. So I'm kind of not poking my my people <laughs> right now like i'll get to you in a week or so <laughs> and we'll talk about contracts and all that stuff um you know it's it's never going to be easy um you know we don't have we don't have a ton of money um but i think we've we have got a good proof of concept here um and it may it also may be a little bit easier for trevor to bring guys in this offseason than the previous offseason. I guess that that brings up an interesting – this wasn't where I was going to go, but bring up Trevor. Do you think he's coming back next year? Absolutely, yeah. I, the only um, the only question uh, really at this point, I see, it, it seems to me that Richard Foster, who was a, a late-season addition um, to the team as a player coach – and like he's the kind of he's got the kind of profile that makes you think maybe he's, you know, he's in a development pro- project to become the next manager. But I don't think that development project is 
four months long. You know, I, I think that Trevor will be back as as the gaffer next year. And, and you know, I think that the long-term plan at this point is for him to, you know, work on the run training and work on the field as much as he wants to until he decides he wants to be like director of football. Um, and then, you know, hand the thing off to somebody else and, and just, just be in charge of bringing players in recruitment and assessment and all that kind of stuff. Before we get too much deeper into uh, the, the building for next year, I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit. You said, uh, you know, that you kind of this year might have set the floor. Um, that I think that's that's a pretty good way to look at it because I mean, first year in the league had kind of a short runway with the quick turnaround into the league. What was it like November ish or so when that yeah, was- when that happened? It was, I mean, it was about a year ago right now. Um, I think it was middle October. Um, <clears throat> and then this year they probably, uh, I don't know the exact, but I'm assuming they probably, are they done paying Nisa off? I do not think so. Oh. But I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, they could have reached some, you know, Nisa has been a massive radioactive <laughs> show all year. Um, so it's hard, you know, it's possible that someone with, uh, a signatory power from Nisa has reached out and offered to settle it for, you know, a dime on the dollar just to, cause they need cash today. Who knows? We don't know. It's not like, you know, it's not like anybody would release a press release and say, yeah, you know, city's paid off. <laughs> we did it. You yeah, know, we, we paid him 50, we paid him 50 grand and just, you know, to leave us alone. You know, I don't know. I mean. Um, well, that aside, yeah, that aside, that aside. Yeah. Um, yeah, what I'm saying is, that, like, these are private agreements that are unlikely at this point. Um, since we're not a, a really affiliated, and all that stuff is kind of handled, I don't. I honestly don't expect any further news on that front. Like, I think that's just going to kind of fade into the background. So, um, so reflecting on 2022 for now, hmm. what would you say was? Um, you are the high point of the season for you. And then what was probably your favorite piece that you wrote uh, about this team? Oh, wow. Um, well, let's see. Um, high point of the season. I mean, you know, probably beating the crew was, um, was about the, was the high point of the season in terms of, you know, feeling like you're really up, you're really in a tornado, you know, um, of emotion. Um, um, the, uh, man, my favorite piece. I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, that's, I, I got it. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I have a lot of unfavorites. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> so that tells so, you anything about my process. So, so what was the, like the the, the most oh, painful oh, man, thing to write then? Um. Well, like, uh, shoot. I mean, like this last match wasn't great. wasn't a great experience writing that. You know, it was kind of you know, sitting there with indigestion and trying to think how much of that feeling you wanted to describe or let leak into it, you know? Um, so I, I felt myself sort of wavering between like trying to sort of 
I, I wanted it to be more of an emotional thing because there's pl- like a, a match like this. There's plenty of attestation. There's going to be lots of, you know, uh, like I'm thinking about the, the way this is understood in a year. Right. Um, and so I wanted to give kind of what it felt like as much as possible. And, you know, what it felt like was like, you know, a stomach ache that doesn't quite get better. <laughs> and um, it was, you know, it was difficult to to watch. I mean, we were doing a lot of the things we wanted to do. And I felt like, you know, Stevie, his matchup with, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Philip Goodrum. That was one that worried me because Stevie had just was coming off a hamstring injury. Um, and Goodrum is, you know, quick and strong and, you know, a shit disturber. Like he's a guy who wants to kind of like, he does a lot of like self-praising things on the field, you know? Um, he's like, he's like the, he's like the defensive back who like makes a tackle and does an elaborate celebration ritual. He's kind of that, like the soccer version of that. Um, and so I was worried that like, you know, this guy's the, the Goodrum's tendency to wind himself up into better performances and Stevie's kind of like physical problems might interact in a bad way, but they didn't at all. Like um, Stevie kind of got in his head. I think like, it seemed like he was talking to him a lot, which I imagine I wish that there was like a microphone on him and we could have captured whatever he would, whatever like droll uh, Irish witticism. He was, you know, like, pelting um good room with because i'm sure it was hilarious and like kind of deprecating and it kind of seemed like it took the wind out of his sails you know Goodrum was kind of sulking through a good portion of the match um and you know and stevie would do the thing where he he's good at like bumping you just as you're starting to feel like you're up to speed he'll bump you in a way that like kind of makes you like do the whole acceleration bit over again. And it's really super effective um, against quicker guys. Um, you know, I don't know. These are the things I noticed during the match. Speaking of things, um, I wish there was a microphone on. Um, looked like he had some words for Nate after that, that goal in the 89th minute or so, the, the, the second goal. for yeah. Memphis. Well, you know, that's something I'm writing about for this thing for tomorrow. Is a is I think that was a well designed set piece, not not in the way that the earlier city set piece had been well designed, which is like a basketball play, um, but this is designed like to to kind of mess up your timing. It seemed to me um, that and because um, Malloy is is the guy over the ball, and Kelly, the guy who does the Jeremy Kelly, the guy who does the service, is kind of lined up to his left, you know, maybe like ten yards to his left. And so, you know, the whole team is lined up. Our whole team is lined up ready for this service from Malloy, who's, you know, one of the better servers of a dead ball in the league. Um, And instead they roll it to Kelly, like slow. You know what I mean? Like the kind of pass you do when you're just going to, you're not actually going to do a set piece play. You're going to, you're going to just keep the ball and like start a possession. Um. And I think that that was the intention was to just kind of get city to go, wait, what's happening and kind of have to have the, the timing of all that be messed up while they're clued into the, to the timing and their runs all begin when Kelly first times the ball in there. Um, 
and then the and then the run was really good was really great i mean he, you know it was a perfect diagonal run in front of in front of a marker um that little glancing header was perfectly aimed and it seemed like it wrong footed nate like the, the i think the timing of that set piece did kind of like boggle city um and you know that's why it, that's why it was successful and i think that's you know stevie read it a little better than everybody else did and I think that's, you know, he was kind of, I have a feeling that he was sort of astonished that Nate didn't get to that. Like, what, are you kidding? Um, because I think if he'd read the timing, it would have been a routine save, you know? Yeah, I've never really seen uh, anyone have a go at uh, Nate Steinwasher like that, at least not uh, this season. Well, Stevie will give it to you, you know, like if he feels like you, you blew it. And I mean, Nate has... Nate has done a lot of incredible things and really kept us in the match for the first half hour, you know, entirely. Like, I mean, Detroit City could have been two or three down 30 minutes in if if it weren't for some of the Nate, some of the saves that Nate made. Um, and, you know, he didn't make that one. Um, nobody's perfect. Um, you know, I don't think Stevie's out, out here feeling like, you know, yes, I'm really glad I took a shit on him in that moment. You know, I think he's, <laughs> I have a feeling they, you know, I think that was just an emotional reaction to, you know, having <laughs> clawed the, you know, back to a draw and then giving up that goal on a set piece. Like, uh, yeah, that's a, that, that's a tough one. And then just the, the timing of it for that moment to happen so late in the game, was uh yeah really i mean you're, you're you're at the point where like i mean my wife and i were having conversations about like extra time and what it means and who seems tired and like you know really uh you know i'm sure that those are conversations that are happening on the sidelines too you know like okay we got to be ready for i mean this is you know you're it's it's gonna it's gonna be a couple minutes you know like you got to be ready you got to have guys warm whatever and um yeah, and it's not—it's not the kind of situation where City have typically given up a lot of a lot of goals. You know, a deep free kick like that, like that's usually something they sniff out what's happening and mark it out really, really easily. You know, eighty-eight percent of the time. Um, so, yeah, mm, rough. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so, so you're saying. Uh... Going back to the original question was about uh, the, the, about your pieces. Like, what was a high point? You said you said maybe part of the process is the picking out the ones you didn't like so much, and obviously writing a, a an, an end of season uh, loss write up. Not the favorite one, and I, right. I agree. Like at the beginning of the season with the Open Cup run, I mean that definitely seemed. I mean, it seems like a very long time ago. Um, but, uh, that was definitely, uh, what do you call it? A tornado of emotion? Right. Well, for me, the, the thing is like, you know, I'm a guy who has been around Detroit city for a while now, and I've kind of persistently imagined what it'd be like to, to play consistently against teams at these higher levels. And then to get, you know, get your teeth into this, into a USL championship season and realize very quickly, like we played San Antonio, who were the overall, we, we lost one nil to San Antonio in the first day of the season. Um, and they were the overall, you know, champions. Um, yeah, they ran away with it in the end. 
table. Yeah, ran away with it. Um, and our over, I think the overall reaction of pretty much everyone around the city was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like, you know, they weren't superhuman. Like we, we did some things. They did some things. Like they got the goal. They had a guy come on and change the, change the game a little bit. And, and, you know, okay, what's what we're going to see at this level? It's not, it wasn't like, you know, um, they came out there just, you know, every single one of them, like, you know, riding a thunderbolt and, you know, etching their name in the sky, which is kind of, you know, how you expect it. And th- so then for the same thing to happen against Columbus for in the first like 10 minutes, it was a little bit of Columbus. And then we were like, it was very, it seemed like very quickly the city realized, like, I think we we're better than this team. Like we're just better than them. We're going to, we're going to roll them right now. And like, you know, they, they played them off the pitch. Like it was, it was pretty incredible. Was quite a day, quite a day. I'd call it a, a was that a flashbulb memory? Like I remember where I was when uh, that happened, sort of a day. And then um, my next question would be: So you've been around this club, supporting this club uh, for a decade. What was your overall experience of like? Obviously, this season was by far longer a DCFC season than it has previously existed. Uh, how did you and your your uh, fellow longtime supporters uh, feel about the, the 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 season over the long haul, like it was? I mean, I think that um, I think everybody appreciated the opportunity to get out to the park a lot more and to make it kind of more of a routine ritual and less of a special pleasure that you do six times a year or whatever. Um, having said that i mean on a personal level it was it really was it did feel long um you know and I'm, i think probably to a lot of the players who hadn't maybe played at this level or in, in you know a full professional season like this like this was pretty this is a pretty long season um you know because like i think 37 official matches right they're 34 in the league I'm sorry, 38, 34 in the league, one playoff match, and then three in the open cup run. Um, And, you know, that's quite a bit of football. Um, And you you begin to understand, I think, as a supporter, especially any supporter who has any, like, responsibility on match day, you begin to understand the kind of mental fatigue the players must feel. Um, the way you're kind of constantly trying to kind of jolt yourself into a top awareness and like convince yourself this is the thing and this moment is the moment you need to grab. But, you know, the, that feeling can be a bit elusive and, and, and it's hard not to get into a jaded space. And that was what I was afraid of, honestly, with the small roster that we went with through the season. It wasn't that it lacked the quality necessarily to compete. Um, it was that that process of that process of becoming jaded um, is often kind of inevitable, just a, just a byproduct of of you know minutes and hours and days and weeks spent together. Um, the same jokes, the same kind of thing, the same like you know what I'm saying like that like you're it's you're in a very intense work situation and it goes on and on for months and months and months. Um, and you know, I think it's it's credit to um, to the leadership, to Trevin and, and Tiffany um, and their team that 
I didn't really sense a lot of that um, on the field. And I expected to, honestly. I really thought around the 20, 25th match that most of our NISA guys would start to just kind of like curl up <laughs> a little bit. Um, and I, you know, I didn't see it happen. Um, you know, it seemed to me that like Stevie was playing the same way, you know, Matt, Reese, Michael, Lay, you know, or well, Lay, I guess wasn't, uh, he's a guy, he's a guy who played with us way before then. Um, but you know, Maxie, uh, Connor, like all of them, um, really just looked like they were fine. Um, and whether that's rotation or, you know, some sort of like togetherness, like building or, or a combination of those things. I don't know. Um, but it was, it was impressive. And just hats off to, uh, Trevor James. I can't imagine how many, like, uh, like, uh, forehead rubbing moments he must've had, like, looks like, uh, you know, cause there was some stretches in the summer where like, there was a lot of draws and you know, kind of the same sort of right. uh, performances, but he didn't have anything to change it to. Right. Well, I mean, that's where, you know, like that's where you get little bits of that jadedness that I'm talking about. Like, you know, you could see there, there were some of those draws where, uh, you know, the guys kind of felt like they should have another gear to go to and it just wasn't quite there. You know, it's just not quite clicking. Nothing's, everything's a little bit, eh. and you know, so you so you wind up substituting like playing really hard and you know trying to break the game up um as a substitute for you know coherent uh quality play in some ways so with that that's the 2022 season um yeah. kind of looking ahead I think you may write about it, but uh, I guess what's coming ahead on your Patreon words about shapes and then um, in general, what, what do you want to see in the off season? Well, um, you know, words about shapes is designed to be a little bit flexible to allow me to do sort of different things. However, it, it is, you know, most of my patrons are, are Detroit city focused and I'm going to continue to do a kind of a long tail of content around Detroit city. Um, the next, you know, month or so, um, I've got a little series. I've got to think about tomorrow. That's something else. Um, then I've got a, like a, a series that's kind of about uh, looking at, um, expected goals and some metrics like that. And looking at what those say about the season city just had. And then we're going to do, um, then I'm going to do some, uh, I think of them, I call them exit interviews, but it's not, it's not actual exit interviews. Exit interviews is like an HR term, like you're leaving employment. Like, so this will be some sort of player assessment um, thing. Um, in the past, like I did uh, at Hot Time, I did a thing called, um, which is a variation on Mary, it's called Mary, Mary Boff Kill, um, where you decide whether you want, you absolutely want to keep the player or you maybe just think like, okay, they get, they get another chance, but that's boff. And then kill is like, now release them. Um, so I, I might do that. And then there's a decision, what we're going to do next, um, what I'm going to do next. Um, you know, do I want to cover the world cup? Do I want to write, want to write about that? Um, which I think would inevitably lead me to writing about, you know, modern slavery and things like that, which, you know, I don't know if I really want to get into. 
I'm just, I'm tired, man. Is that um, World Cup related? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's in it's in Qatar. They they you know the the way they <laughs> there's there's so many problems around that awarding uh, and and the the rules that people are expected to live by there. Um, the fact that that we're holding a uh, holding a World Cup in a country that that is telling you if you you know if you express you know homosexuality or um, non-conventional gender presentation, we, we reserve the right to imprison you. Um, and, you know, how can this be? Like, how can, you know, um, so I don't know that I really want to write about the World Cup and have to write about that day in and day out as you know because that's a that's the you get a little sousson of like you know complicity with every match you watch now yeah they make it hard to be a fan with uh these world cup venues because i mean i mean as football lovers <laughs> i mean it's the it's the ultimate uh like the it's the pinnacle yet they make it um <laughs> as as divisive as possible Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the It's just grimy, like if it, emotionally and, and, and uh, morally grimy to involve yourself at all. And I, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'll probably ask the patrons what they want. And then after that, I, I'll probably do some weird stuff in the off season, um, you know, write about football manager or um, my D and D campaign or something like that. Ooh. <laughs> and then, and then like, then we'll start. Then city will start signing players, and you'll you you can all stop reading my thousand year old vampire uh, game or whatever. But with a uh, full, I don't want to spoil any uh, uh, nuggets from your writing. But in just at from where we are now, just like what three days on from the exit of the season, what would yeah. you love to see? I guess if you want to have like your own version of a transfer wish list, what would it be? Um, I mean, uh, you know, I'd like to see a, um, you know, some more attacking talent. Um, and uh, the thing is, I don't, I don't know that there's really names, uh, that I would put out there because I think that what we're talking about is either, um, some alone that could come from really any one of several different places um, or uh, or a kid that's turned up somewhere. Um, Cause I, I don't look around this league and see a, a bunch of guys that are like, obviously the solution. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys that might be and Trevor will, you know, have sifted them for the ones he really likes. Um, but, you know, I think that we've got a pretty good framework here and I don't think that there's, it doesn't need a lot of revolutionizing. Um, but you know, people that can play close to goal, um, um, you know, someone, someone to, um, move either Connor or Pato to the bench, um, and create a lot of, you know, a lot of competition for minutes right there. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, someone, with some some dynamism and uh, some lethalness in front of that. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know, it'd be nice. You know, it'd be nice to find a guy who could 
who can create his own shot, um, on someone who feels comfortable finishing, um, and feels comfortable finishing like first time, uh, on things that have been set up by other people. I feel like with Pato, you get one and with ZZ, you get the other, um, uh, you know, Connor's position is difficult to, to forecast because you, it's easy to imagine someone who brings more offensively in that role than Connor does, but um, he is a two phase defensive workhorse who uh, makes a lot of things work pretty well defensively. So, you know, um, did, there'd have to be some adjusting. <laughs> did LaRouge ever end up getting a goal from outside the box? I don't believe so. No, that could be something to put on the list. Yeah, you know. Although you know, I, I think that part of that is because they like this team has been guided by the numbers, and the numbers say that those are you know those are long, those are not high quality shots. Um, so we haven't taken a ton of them, you know. Um, and we don't have we we do a lot of creating from the from the flanks, so we don't have a group of guys who are you know in position to kind of just shift and and bang a shot back like a, a half clear ball back on goal. Um, you know, typically that's kind of like we do get kind of caught out up the middle sometimes. Uh, because we are very, we were very focused on the flanks and and rotated people out to the flanks pretty hard with the ball. So you know, if that cross gets cleared the wrong way, like you, we, a lot of times we'll have one guy, you know, it's Lay there who's like got to make the tackle, or it's we're off to the races. Well, Sean Spence uh, writing about Detroit City FC, and now we're in the off scene about a number of other things. It would seem. Uh, go check him out on Patreon. Words about shapes. Uh, thank you so much, Sean, for uh, spending so much time with me this evening. And uh, <laughs> I thank you for uh, your words uh, throughout the season. Robert, it, it was my pleasure for both. Um, and I will uh, look forward to talking to you again, you know, in the not too distant future. Listening to that about does it for another week's edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you so much to my guest this week, Sean Spence, and thank you to all the guests that have graced this podcast. There's over 80 episodes now on Spotify and all those other audio podcast platforms, so be to check those out. And also, be sure to head on over to the Michigan Soccer Central YouTube channel as we are trying to add more and more content to the MSC YouTube channel. Thanks again to Jenny Hajnaki for editing the program as always. And thank you to the Michigan Soccer Central core team for aiding in this production. And without them, this whole thing just does not go. So, until next time, everybody please.
Enjoy your soccer. <laughs>